So saying what you should do is fundamentally a lot easier than doing what you should do. (laughs) You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of Payments Innovation. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Michael Rolfe, who is CEO of YoYo. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Richard. Thank you for the invite. Well, listen, why don't we start with a bit of an introduction, maybe about YoYo first. What are YoYo? What do they do? So, uh, so YoYo, we're a payment loyalty and marketing platform. And broadly speaking, what we do is we match customers to their basket data for the benefit of creating a more delightful customer experience for the digital native world in which we live. And, and we do that on the back of creating essentially an API that enables us to be integrated into any point of sale. So if that's online or in store as effectively a checkout button. So the yo-yo, you know, cash card, yo-yo, checkout button. At the same time, we effectively tokenize customer identity. So when somebody transacts at a store or online that's powered by yo-yo, we're able to match that tokenized version of the customer identity to their basket. And then through the wallet aspect of our API, we can automate experiences around payment, uh, around loyalty, whether it's stamps, whether it's points or surprise and delight. We do fully itemized digital receipts. And there's a whole bunch of other features that are seamlessly automated off the back of, as I said, knowing who the customer is and what they're buying. So I guess loyalty programs aren't, aren't a new thing, right? I mean, loyalty programs have been, been around for a while and retailers, uh, I guess they do them because someone else is doing it. So why have you come into this market? What, what's broken that you guys are solving? So that's right. I mean, loyalty is inherent within, I guess, service and product and the feeling of the relationship between you, know, you as an individual and the and the store that you're purchasing from or the company you're purchasing from. And that has been around since the beginning of time. You know, pre, pre-technology, you know, you went to your local corner shop, the, the name of the person serving you in the store knew who you were. And would probably have, on the odd occasion, you know, let you take something for free. And that's, a, you know, an example of, you know, how loyalty was rewarded in the old world. But at the heart of all that, it's about knowing the customer. In the intervening period of time, you know, technology has kind of emerged into this world of commerce. And there's been various different sort of plays around loyalty. Some have been incredibly <laughs> successful, like, uh, you know, Tesco's here in the UK and, and Clubcard, or like Starbucks were with their mobile payment and loyalty app. In fact, you can argue that Starbucks were one of the first ever to make mobile payment relevant in an in-store environment because uh, it was combined with loyalty. So, but where we've thought about the market when we approached it is that actually we came at it from the payments angle as opposed to the loyalty angle. We looked at the world of payment as being one that hasn't really evolved too much around the world as it is today. So yes, of course, the ability for someone to transact online as a new channel evolved with the market. But fundamentally, the principle of actually understanding there's far more data around a transaction, around a payment, and actually doing something with that was, was fundamentally missing. So we also took a view that, you know, from a retailer perspective, payment is a highly commoditized service. And that fundamentally, as time goes by, you're less inclined to want to pay for it. So, so it's more about combining these experiences of, of payment with loyalty and using essentially the insight that one can gain from uh, you know, knowing who the customer is and, and what they're purchasing and automating those experiences in a very uh, you know, digitally native way that was, was where the big pain points were at. You know, a lot of these old loyalty programs are you know, either paper-based or uh, plastic-based and, and via email. And, 
you know, the world of GDPR here in Europe, you know, certainly means that, uh, you know, if you thought you had your marketing sorted and, and uh, you know, you're now sort of realizing that nobody's opting into your consent email, you've got a problem. Whereas, uh, you know, if you do it in the, in the modern way, like the way Yo-Yo has done it, you know, consent is inherent within the service of payment and loyalty. Okay, so, so essentially this is like a, a kind of Starbucks meets Tesco club card, but combining the kind of whole mobile payment system and that capability. In fact, you, you've just pretty much paraphrased my first ever investor pitch. You know, <laughs> we're doing Starbucks meets club card, but democratized for all retail and better. I think it was pretty much my one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listen, so in terms of kind of building customer loyalty, because... I think this is this is obviously fundamental to to the offering and your pitch into the retailers. What what are some of the tips and tricks that people can can use to kind of really build out this customer loyalty when it comes through to mobile payments, etc.? Yeah, so I think the key thing is to remember that you know loyalty is what you earn after the event of of the entire experience from a customer's perspective. So you know if, for example. You take an example where loyalty doesn't work too well. British Airways, you know, it works really well for those people with corporate expenses and that, you know, able to sort of buy those most, those, uh, those high value tickets on a more frequent basis. But it doesn't actually really work very well for the majority. How many times have you been on silver and found yourself downgraded to bronze? If you're like me too many times, so I've got that little rant out of the way. But if you, if you do it really well, and there's no benefit to it either, by the way, if you do it really well, um, like someone like Tesco Club Card you know, have done, what that means is you're, you're able to make the customer feel like you are personally serving them as an extension of the end of you know, the either in-store or online experience. So loyalty in itself isn't going to solve all problems and create all the businesses, all, you know, more business for a retailer if they're getting the fundamentals of products, service, design, location. If you're getting all of those things wrong, a great loyalty program won't fix that. However, if you're getting all of those things, you know, as right as your customer or your, so your, your next competitor, essentially a great loyalty program will differentiate from your competitors. And so, you know, some of the tips and tricks that, that we've kind of developed over the last four or five years have been to, you know, do the hard thing, keep it simple. You know, I think a lot of the time when tech gets involved and, you know, the ability to have, be really smart about what you can do, you tend to overcomplicate it a little bit. And in fact, Tesco Club Card, as well as being my example for it working really well, can also be an example for when it doesn't work so well. Because if you sort of follow that story, you know, they kind of, you know, analyze the, their sort of data to the nth degree where they, they started to try and make things really quite complicated for themselves in terms of how they sort of put their office to market to the point where people no longer really understood how it worked anymore. So, so right. keeping it simple is, is super important. And I guess... That that's not just, I guess, in the in the loyalty world. I mean, if, if we backtrack slightly in, in, in your history, I mean, you spent some time at Barclay Card, First Data in your early career, but then you were a, a founding member of, of Anthemis Group, who were the, the specialist fintech advisory firm, um, and you were and obviously you were involved in, in Seedcamp as well. So you've been advising kind of startups for for a number of years, I guess. And what have you learned that you've taken into into the world at Yoga? <laughs> So saying what you should do is fundamentally a lot easier than doing what you should do. The hope is full of people that have got great advice of what you could do, should do, don't do type thing. But when you're actually in the seat itself, it's always a lot harder to do the right thing. But the one thing you can bet your bottom dollar is doing nothing is definitely the wrong thing. So doing something that turns out to be wrong is far better than doing nothing because at least you can quickly figure out it's wrong and make a new decision to do something differently. 
So, you know, for me, I, I think sort of the, the biggest thing, and I think this is kind of what defines successful startups separately to ones that fail, is that, you know, the willingness just to try and to have a, you know, in the early days when you, you get a group of people that are crazy enough to kind of believe in the vision of what the company is going to stand for. And then when the reality bite, because obviously nothing's quite as smooth sailing as what your, your vision is, that they stick with it because you, you're always moving forward to progress things for the better. And so the sort of like being execution focused, I mean, everything I'm kind of describing here all speaks to the fact it's about operation, operational effectiveness and efficiency to just move the ball forward, you know, each and every day. And even though some days it may feel like you've, uh, you know, you've had a bit of a pass back and you've, you've lost a few inches as opposed to gained them, it's all good. It's all in the right spirit. So do more, say less. I think it's philosophy that some really interesting people have, have attested to. And I think it was uh, Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, kind of said, listen, unless you're embarrassed by your first iteration of your product, then you've released it too late. I think a lot of people kind of look at that and they sit on it rather than just get something out there and then iterate and iterate further. Yeah. And, and say so it's that ability. I mean, that's the key, right? As, as you get have so many things that are running in parallel at any one point in time. And I think about like, what we've got going on at Yo-Yo, you know, we have, we have our products. We have retailers who are customers of the other part of our product. We've got partners that are enabled and you know looking to build their experiences off the back of our products. We've got partners that we in turn are enabled by. You know, we've got multiple different product tech teams. We've got operation finance. You know, all these different tracks. There's always something that you you just need to get out of the gate. And as time goes by, there's more of them. So the ability to make sure you prioritize what's important, knowing what to drop. And when to drop it equally is is just as you know good a decision as knowing what to do and and when to get it out you know and how quickly to get it out there. So it, it, it all sounds very interesting, but I think you know, what what the listeners are, might be really interested to hear would be around you know, how effective is this? I mean, customer loyalty is obviously huge, but in terms of some of the people that you've worked with, what are the kind of results that they're seeing when they've kind of integrated with with you guys and driven kind of the yo-yo experience? So I'll give a I'll give a few examples, and and I have to say actually these results surprise even me because I knew that what we were doing would be would be big. I didn't quite realise how impactful it would be in terms of the results that we've been able to sort of prove out. So the first one I'll give you, you know, we started off life in closed corporate environments and and universities. So you think, well, how you know people are there anyway, right? So if you've got to work somewhere and you buy your coffee there, you know, what else are you going to do? How can you actually increase sales there? But there's a site we have which is essentially where Rolls-Royce make their engines. And within six months of launching Yo-Yo, that caterer grew like-for-like sales by 12%. Right? And that's, that's huge. And there's, there's nothing else that it can attribute to other than Yo-Yo. And we know that because we know that pre-Yo-Yo sales UK, I guess our equivalent of Starbucks is, is Cafe Nero. And if you look at some of the things we've released about the work we've done with them lately, you know, there's been some phenomenal results. So for example, in October last year, we, you know, in the middle of, you know, October, the middle of the UK summer, you know, they launched an ice drink promotion. And what we saw through the control testing that we did through people that weren't part of the, you know, app powered by Yo-Yo and people that, that were using the Cafe Nero app powered, powered by Yo-Yo, that we drove sales of ice drinks by 212%. And more recently, they did a program for breakfast. So if you were buying your coffee and you bought your breakfast uh, chibata, that you would get a bonus stamp. You know, that one campaign in a two-week period increased revenue on chibatas by 576%. You know, they grew the number of customers that were purchasing the chibata by 736%. And the visits 
you know, I guess after during that campaign grew by 635%. You know, these aren't numbers I'm rolling off the top of my head. These are numbers I get by looking at my campaign metric dashboard that gives me real-time ROI on the marketing bucks that get invested into these loyalty programs and, and marketing programs by the retailer. So if ever there's a, a carrot for a retailer listening out there, I think you, you've given them a, a rather large one. So again, just proof that this stuff is working. Yeah, I mean, it, if that's it, I mean, it's actually it's proof in either direction. I think the problem with marketing, you know, going back to that famous old saying, right, I believe that 50% of my marketing works. I just don't know what 50%. I might have slightly misquoted it, but it's along that line, along those lines. You know, everyone has to be convinced that, you know, a lot of things you do in marketing feels warm and fluffy and you hope it does the right thing. Whereas our view is that in today's world, you should know exactly what works in every single pound you spend on marketing. And more importantly, you should also have sight of the pounds that don't work as well, because knowing what doesn't work is just as important as knowing what does. And, you know, how else are you going to make more of the right decisions over time? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Just moving on slightly. So obviously, you guys started almost five years ago now. And there's kind of been this increased adoption in, in kind of mobile payment payments, which kind of has helped, I guess, drive your business and your strategy. But what else is happening in the industry at the moment that, are, that people are talking about that's really driving kind of an impact to customer loyalty or customer behavior and, and retail behavior? So I think that frictionless is probably the word that, that best describes the current sort of, I guess, macro trend for, for a lot of a lot of retailers, you know, trying to create almost the Amazon-esque payment experience. You know, if you know the customer, um, you know, they're in your space, the ability from just one click and to be, you know, to get what they want um, is becoming quite powerful. So, so we see that as a as a macro trend for sure. I think there's a lot going on around the world of, of open banking and PSD2 here in Europe. Um, and for those yeah. listeners that aren't quite familiar with what that is, essentially, it's about giving control of data to to us as the individuals who have the bank accounts to enable us to cater quite simply with any third party that we wish. So what this means is banks who for these many, many decades have had a complete, I guess, moratorium on on access to the most insightful customer data, you know, will no longer have that because as a consumer, I can consent to giving that to somebody that I think can provide me with a better service or a better product. Um, you know, so that that's going to, I think, have some massive impacts, firstly here in Europe, and then it will reverberate, I think, around the world as people wake up to the fact that, you know, there's, there's so much more that you can do based on sort of this uh, customer empowerment. And you guys are kind of, I guess, one of the first companies to tap into that debit credit card payment data with regards to open banking, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're actually, we're the, we're the first company in the world to enable something called payment linked loyalty. And what that means is that, you know, if you pay and get your rewards and, and collect your loyalty and get your receipt, et cetera, um, we were able to do that off the back of using your bank card. So what happens here is that effectively banks are able to integrate directly to the YoYo platform. And conversely, we're able to integrate directly into a bank's API. And when somebody links their bank to their YoYo wallet, essentially you can use that bank debit card or credit card to transact and automatically receive your loyalty whether it's points, whether it's stamps on the product or a basket, you get your fully itemized digital receipt and all the benefits of the YoYo platform experience, but seamlessly um, delivered, you know, either to an app that's powered by YoYo or to a bank app, which is also powered by YoYo. And we think that's that's pretty special, you know, the ability to sort of do that, given that, you know, cards are still vastly the most used uh, transaction method in the world today. 
Wow. Okay. So, listen, we're almost out of time, but just one final question. Obviously, as I said, you, you guys have been around for almost five years now. What are, what are the next kind of 12, 18 months hold for you? Obviously, a very exciting time in, in, in this world particular, but what are, what are Yo-Yo's plans? Yeah, so, you know, like any, I guess, sort of startup that's fast-paced and is kind of doing doing more of the right thing at the right time than, than, than some, you know, there's a lot of interest, I guess, in, in what we've got going on. So, you know, today we've, you know, we've raised... 21 million pounds, I guess, that, we, that we've, you know, sort of sensibly put to good use and still putting to good use. So I'm sure at some point in the future, there'll be an opportunity for us to, I guess, increase our investment because we're doing, as I say, a lot, a lot of the right things. But equally, I think uh, more importantly for us, it's about expanding our customer reach. You know, we, we have some fantastic customers that we've, we've proven a lot of our sort of early product success with. We're now on the cusp of in the next sort of two months or so, uh, making a number of significant announcements about the next customer wins and you know, getting those to market is going to be a lot of fun. The organization in terms of headcount is scaling quite nicely. You know, we've got a sensible approach with headcount to revenue ratio, which is working well for us and more of the same, but, but bigger and better. I think getting the, you know, getting our omni-channel product out later this year is going to probably be one of the most interesting things. So the ability to you know, I mentioned about being online or in store for the commerce API, but having the first customers go live with that, you know, is going to be is going to be pretty interesting to see just how much of a difference that makes to their general sort of trading pattern. Fantastic. Well, listen, Michael, it's been fantastic having you on. It's been really interesting to see kind of the rise of, of Yo-Yo and what you're doing in that space. And obviously, the eyes will be be on you over the next kind of 12, 18 months to see how far you can take it. Uh, but again, once again, Michael Rolf from Yo-Yo, you're fastest growing mobile payment and loyalty marketing uh, platform in Europe. Being great to speak to you, Michael. Thank you. Cheers. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.